Okay. So, if we'd have filmed this podcast 72 hours ago, I probably would have opened it in a very specific way. If we would have opened this, if we would have done this podcast 48 hours ago, I would have changed the whole thing. If I would have done this podcast 24 hours ago, the intro would have been different. And now here we are on April 25th filming it, and I'm going to start it completely differently because the way that the Kings and Warriors series has ebbed and flowed has been really, really fascinating. And the most interesting wrinkle that just kind of came to fruition within the last 24 hours is the fact that De'Aaron Fox fractured his index finger on his shooting hand. And there was speculation on whether or not he was going to play or not, but he came out and said, you know what, I'm going to play. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, Sam, here we stand. The series tied 2-2. Two to two. Our team went up 2-0 on the defending champs. They mm-hmm. gave up two games on the road. And now our best player has a fractured finger. Now the series is heading back to Sacramento. We haven't lost at home, but I really don't know how I should or shouldn't feel. You got to help me out here. Oh man. I don't even think it's, you can even do it justice by saying the Kings best player is now dealing with a injury or hindrance to his game, but probably this series best player has now been inflicted with an injury. Yeah. Him and Steph, you could go either way, but I think, it's incredible, really, the amount of respect and attention De'Aaron Fox has garnered because he's earned it with his play. He now has this reputation as probably being the clutchest player in the NBA right now. And the dude is putting up crazy numbers. You put a gu- many different defenders on him. Clay, Wiggins, Kaminga, Moody. You put Draymond on him. I mean, he's he's just been scoring against any of them. With limited amount of help he's been the one consistent good piece for kings and we talked about it when we previewed the series of well fox had great games against the warriors during the regular season every single matchup win or lose yeah and that's really been coming to flourishing of the warriors just can't stop fox and now it really looks like the nba gods have now stopped fox that's the only way yeah so the help thing has been the biggest story to me because I don't think at all in this series, the Kings have played their a game. I really don't because their a game is when obviously all of their players are, are, are hitting. And you know, that's kind of a duh statement because that's probably the same, (laughs) same thing you could say about all other teams, but Mm -hmm. you know, with the Kings in particular, because they were the number one offense, you, you lose one of those guys, you're losing a big piece of what made your team special. It's not like, you know, whatever the lowest scoring team in the league is. I, I don't know who I, – I, I actually think it was Miami in the regular season. I, I feel like I keep hearing that um, in, uh, in these postseason games. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose one of your starters maybe on Miami who's contributing, I don't know, three or four points – if they're not hitting on a, on any given night, it, it might not be that big of a deal. But for the Kings, if Kevin Herter's not hitting, then you're missing out on 18 to, to 25 points. Well, throw that if away. He's just playing not hitting. Well, right. And that's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, the Kings haven't had a game 
where Fox, Herter, Murray, and Sabonis, and Barnes is always fairly consistent, but those mm-hmm. four guys are all on the same page. Fox has always been good. Keegan finally had uh, his coming out party. He realized he wasn't playing golf and that the low score doesn't help him. Um, Mer- uh, Herter had an okay game two and game three, but was mm-hmm. completely absent from game one and game four. Mm-hmm. And Sabonis just hasn't been himself. And I really haven't been able to figure that out yet. I know that you and I have you and I have been talking with obviously our buddies uh, a ton throughout this series. And the thing that I kept coming back to was the reason why Sabonis is so special is not necessarily because he's going to give you 30 a night, but it's because he's going to go for 20 and then he's going to get 12 assists and he's going to get 11 rebounds. The biggest thing to me is the fact that he just, the Warriors have done a great job at limiting his playmaking ability. I mean, he has not gotten over 10 assists in a game this entire series, it's been mm-hmm. really, really interesting to see. I, I did not think if I, like if I were to pick one part of Sabonis's game that I thought was going to go down out of like points, assists and rebounds, assists would have been last on that list. I, I would, I could have heard an argument. Well, Looney and Draymond might get more rebounds than him. Okay, fine. Looney and Draymond might limit how much he's going to score. Okay, fine. But the assist thing, I did not see that coming. Yeah, and it's truly, I think it's pretty, those two things go hand in hand. Shooters aren't making shots, so the assist numbers for the Kings are just down right. widespread. Um, so many of Sabonis's assists were off of that action with Herder, where Herder is going around and it's a that dribble handoff. Um, and Murray was such a, I mean, he was just awful. <laughs> There's no other way to say it in games one, two, and three. Yeah, he was not um, good at all. And I think that's probably that really is a, a scary thing to think about for the Warriors if you have a hurt a game where Herder's making five threes, which he is completely capable of doing. And you get Fox to where he's still doing what he's doing and the the bench has completely saved this team. Yeah. Davion Mitchell, uh, Monk, Trey Lyles have completely outplayed pretty much all four games, Poole and uh, Kaminga, Moody, um, anyone else off, off the Warriors bench I can't even think of. But they've been sort of that saving grace for the Kings so far. And it's it'd be really awesome to see Murray and Herder not not as much Barnes because I don't think he needs to score a lot to be effective, but those two to have pretty efficient scoring games. Yeah, and like you like you pointed out, like the Sabonis assists and the the shooting do go hand in hand with each other, which is just brings back brings me back to the original point that the Kings just haven't played their eight plus game yet. Um, and I don't know if that's because the Warriors are preventing them from playing their A plus game, or, or they just haven't been <laughs> haven't been able to get it together. I don't think the moment has been too big for them. I really don't. Um, it hasn't felt that way to me. Uh, I think if we were going to see that, we would have seen it in the very first game, or at least the sec, and then after that, the second game. But I just I don't think that that's playing a factor in any in any of this. Um, Mm-hmm. It's it's very surprising. I mean, 
Gosh. And you know what? We can we can start getting more diving deeper into like game four, because that was obviously the most recent one that uh, that was played. And I mean, again, so Keegan played well. Harrison only had nine points. Herder had two points. So you had two of your starters who were very consistent throughout the year, not break 10. You finally got a game from Keegan. Sabonis had more of a, a stat line than we were familiar seeing um, from him. He had 14 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, and then Fox went for 38. And Malik gave you 16, and Davion gives you 12. I mean, if you get anything, anything from from Herder, then you win that game. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're talking about a 3-1 series right now as opposed to 2-2. Two to two. And, oh, man, so, like, I don't know. There's so many, so many different things and so many different thoughts. It was a little bit of a discombobulated thought, but there's just so many different, you know, lanes that we could take this whole thing. I guess I'll just, you know, try to narrow it down to game four just because it was the most recent one. What did you – what was your overall takeaway from that game? Um, it was It was certainly encouraging – coming off of game three where they looked absolutely awful and impitiful to showing that fight coming back um, with all the Draymond stuff that was added into it. It, it certainly played a little bit of a factor. I, I knew his, his, to me, his importance was on the defensive side and that's where I yeah. thought that the Kings would really exploit in game three and they weren't able to do that. Um, and that he showed his effectiveness guard, when guarding Fox and others. Um, but his ability to produce on the offensive end was really surprising. And um, it's just, it's unfortunate that they played so well for three quarters and just had an awful third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> against the defending champs to beat him for three quarters. You just expect that to be a win, but because they had an awful third quarter, which is so uncharacteristic of this team this year. And it's so awesome to say that, but they're, they're usually the ones that have big third quarters coming out of the break. Um, I think Mike Brown is, is sort of left scratching his head. And I think that game four was the biggest display of an experience and maybe a little panic. Um, he he was saying after the game of um, a couple of plays where it's just like head scratching of things that they didn't talk about and players were doing, and and it, it, they didn't show that sort of patience and that almost trust in the system on the defensive end, and that's what kind of got them. And the amount of turnovers in that fourth, fourth quarter just killed them so it was it was like they were it was right there that game was right there to win and they were just fighting themselves the entire time yeah i mean there were at least there were three possessions where the kings had to i mean i was counting them because it just felt like they were so blatantly obvious three possessions where the kings had a chance to tie it or take the lead and they turned the ball over all three times um and it was just it was so disheartening because it was like oh okay here comes the momentum change that we need. And then give it right back. It's like, guys, 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 we, we don't need everything right now. Like, 
you're not going to get every like the Warriors can get everything back in three shots. We can't like or we can because we have the three point shooting, but we haven't demonstrated throughout the series um, that we can. And two, that's not really, uh, um, I believe, what Mike Brown sort of wants them to be thinking, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, especially against the Warriors. Um, if you're going to beat the Warriors, you got to be consistent as um, as opposed to really going for the gigantic home run plays because you don't want uh, to be hitting those home run plays 30% of the time. You want to be hitting the consistent plays like 70% of the time. That's how you're going to beat the Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. The Warriors can afford to do that because they have players who can do that, but, you know, we, we can't. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, so the very last play, you knew that the ball was going to be in Fox's hands. And by virtue of that, you knew that the double team was going to come. So I think the odds of Fox taking the final shot were fairly small. Just from the standpoint of it would have been really stupid for Steve Kerr to not send a double team on De'Aaron based on what he's done to them in this series. So kind of figured that that was coming. Mm -hmm. Now, it didn't appear to me that the play that the Kings ran accounted for that. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was just me. And one of the things that my dad pointed out was he felt that Fox waited like a second or two too long before he went into his move. So what, what I had, so Mike Brown talked about that last play and it, it sort of was supposed to be an ISO. Um, I don't think they anticipated Harrison Barnes going for the screen. Um, they were just trying to get a different – I think he was trying to get a different defender onto Fox was the thing. But they were trying to um, flatten it out just for Fox to go to work, which I would have been completely fine with. It's just – it's weird that, that that they settled for that three. Right. And, like, a Fox ISO would have been fine. But I think not necessarily anticipating a double team was – I don't, I mean, I don't know. Cause I, to me, to me, like, I felt like you could, you could have called that from a mile away. Like, okay, if Fox is going to, if they're going to ISO Fox, then they're going to send a double, even if it's a late double team, like it's going to come. Um, and I was surprised that the play didn't seem to account for that. Now, granted the shot that the Kings ended up getting, I actually don't think was a poor shot. I mean, Harrison had a clean look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would have per- – do I trust him to make that shot? Yes, I do. I, I mean, maybe if you don't watch the Kings, you you go, why Why would you have Harrison Barnes taking that shot? Well, it's, you know, he's, he's played really well this year. I don't mind him taking that shot. If you're asking me would I prefer somebody else to take it, yeah, probably. Malik would have been uh, higher on that list for me. Keegan throughout that game would have been higher on that list for me. And hell, even though Herter hasn't been playing well, I'd still trust him in that moment as well. Um, but given all of that, Barnes had a clean look at it. And, you know, I, I, I would have preferred that we would have gotten a drive, but obviously that that got cut off. So the next best option was the three. And from that standpoint, we got exactly, I guess, what they were looking for. If what they were looking for was a clean look, they got that. It just didn't fall. Um so, I mean, yeah, so heading into game five, all the pressure is now on Sacramento. And mm-hmm. Fox is 
coming in hobbled. So I'm really not 100% sure how I feel about this game. It To me, the series hinges on this game. I mean, I, do, are you sort of in that boat with me? Yeah, if they lose this game, they're not winning game six. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So they have to win this game. There, There's no... Just, just, just like uh, Fox said, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, yeah, and I, I just watched before we, before we came on. I, I saw um, Fox talk to the media, and um, he seemed pretty upbeat about it. He seemed like it was pretty much a non-factor. Um, ball hand. I was worried about how it'd be, how to, and just going through the, just having the basketball with him because he's our point guard and he's going to be having the most usage. Um, but he, he said, yeah, that's pretty much a non-factor. The, the finger, the pad on his finger, it's a protective pad over his index finger. Um, but shooting, he said that it kind of takes him a little while to warm up. And then after a certain while, he doesn't really notice it. Like there's zero, there's no pain anymore. Um, it's just, I feel like when you're shooting your entire life without something on your finger and then you're just going to pull it out in a playoff game with something new. It's got to have an effect. No. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously I can't relate to, you know, anything uh, these NBA players do. Cause you know, I, I, the farthest I made it was just really high level, like travel basketball and, you know, varsity basketball, but from a technical standpoint on just shooting, uh, just because I played for for so long, I I can kind of give uh, you know some examples of that. I I mean, if you play basketball long enough, you jam probably all of your fingers. I mean, all of my all of my fingers have have definitely been jammed. And when you hit it um, on your shooting hand uh, or your dominant hand, um, and yeah, a lot of times, at least I remember when I would jam my finger. I don't know what protective pad. Fox has but a lot of times what I remember coaches would do for me is they would like double wrap uh, my finger so they would wrap my finger and like tape it to like let's say it was my middle finger they would tape it to my ring finger and like Mm -hmm. tape those two fingers together and dribbling for me didn't necessarily feel much different but the shooting did shooting did feel the 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 most awkward um and I think more than anything, if it's something that he's had a day or two now to kind of get used to probably having that pad on while practicing, it probably won't be that big of a factor. I think initially, initially it probably felt really weird because I know for me it always did. But once you sort of have it on for a little while um, and get in your rhythm with it, then it just, it yeah, it kind of goes away. I don't, I don't uh, think he's going to have too much at least I would hope he doesn't have um, too many problems with it. I, I, I do feel like um, that's something that uh, uh, he could, like he said, you know, still play well with. Um, mm-hmm. But more than anything, it's just something that you have to get used to. And he's had two days too. So I, I don't, uh, I don't think it, it's going to be that big of a problem. What do you anticipate? First off, two things, expectations for Fox in this game. Secondly, the atmosphere um, on a Wednesday night in Sacramento. Uh, well, again, so and we never got a chance to talk about it because you know we were 
we were going to film after the the first game and then um, first game happened and then a couple <laughs> not too long after I got COVID so I got super sick and was in no no uh, shape to film so we never really got a chance to talk about the fact that you know Ben and I were at game one um, I thought we did oh man well I mean in terms of um, did we was that podcast I don't even remember it's been so long so, I, I thought the one that Ben was on was it Well, either way, either way, the point really that I that I was going to make, I, it's been a while since we filmed, so I wasn't 100 percent sure. Um, either way, the point that I was going to try to make is I'm not worried about the Sacramento crowd at all. I feel like that place is going to be as loud and as <laughs> livid um, as they were um, in games one and game two. I, I really and maybe maybe even more so. Because, again, we cannot be the only fans who are believing that this series hinges on Game 5. And since Game 5 is going to be in the building, I 100% believe that the Sacramento crowd is going to be absolutely just (laughs) glass shattering. Um, I've got no, no um, worries about them at all. Um, And then as far as Fox goes... I don't know. I mean, I, it it's it feels almost a little bit unfair to ask of him exactly, you know, hey, we need you to do exactly what you've been doing for us, but they can't win without him doing that, you know? So the expectation if he's going to play is he, he's got to – He's got to do exactly what he's been doing. Whether or not that's fair to ask of him or, or not, this is the spot that they're in, and he's like he's going to have to do it if um, if the Kings are going to win. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's what do you think for both of those questions? Um, I I think Fox. He's got it. I think he's going to put up less than what he's been doing. He's he's averaging thirty one and a half, um, pretty much matching Curry so far. I think it's just realistic for him to be a little less than that. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what the crowd looks like. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be packed on a Wednesday. Um, I think, I don't think people really expected the Kings to be in this series, even for us as Sacramento fans. So the fact that it's been, it's gotten to a game five is, is going to be pretty special. Um, a couple couple guys that I think really, really, really need to step up for the Kings. And then we can still, we can talk about adjustments focusing on the Warriors and really the Warriors have played uh, well. So don't want to take a lot of focus from them, but um, we've already talked about Herter, uh, talked about Keegan. He's got to follow that game yet, that game the other night up with another good game. Yeah. He doesn't need to put up 23. It can be around like 15 but he can't be a no-show. Um, but the guy that we were questioning part of the year, and I think we sort of came to the conclusion that he might be the most important king, is DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah. And I need more scoring from him. Yeah. He's doing fine on the – he's doing all right on the defensive end. Um, rebounding has been great. That's always going to be there. Really gotta maybe it's gotta, gotta be more active on the offensive glass or 
or what, but he's really been stifled by uh, Draymond and Kevon Looney. Yeah, I feel like that, like like we've said, that's been arguably one of the biggest storylines in in this series is how they've been able to, you know, limit Sabonis in a couple different ways. His scoring's gone down and his assist total um, haven't been all that high. I mean, you go back to game one, he had two assists. <laughs> yeah, he's averaging about half the amount of assists he averaged in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, he had 16 rebounds, but two assists w- was the no- that, that number more than anything surprised me um, the most. And then you go to uh, game two. I'm pulling up his numbers right now. He had four. So now he had 24 points. So that was more like what we needed from him. Um, but if so, if we're looking at like just based purely off of like um, from a statistical standpoint, I think the Kings are, if we're going to be expecting a little bit less from Fox, then the Kings need to do exactly what they did in game two, because game two, um, you had Sabonis with 24, you had Fox with 24, Herter with 15, Malik with 18, Davion with 14, and then Harrison with 13. Like, it's going to have to be a team, like, everybody's going to have to get a piece of the uh, the pie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if Fox isn't going to give you 38 because of his hand, and I think you still have to ask him to give you that. Like, I know it's I know it might be a little bit unfair, but I think that's just what's going to have to happen. But if he can't, then we're going to need Sabonis to have 24 like he did in game two. We need Herter to go for 15. We need Malik to be scoring. Davion, anything he can give us would be great. Keegan's got to be good. Barnes has – like it has to be um, everybody gets around 15-ish points outside of Fox and Sabonis. Um, that game two blueprint is what they need to follow. Because even in that game, they only gave up 106 to the Warriors, which is mm-hmm. barely anything for them. Mm-hmm. What kind of defensive adjustments do they have to make? Because I know um, I know Davion is getting a lot of national publicity because of the effort that he's putting in and the amount of time he's guarding Steph. But oh, yeah. Honestly, this is the best Steph Curry we've ever seen. Really, I think this is the best playoff series he's played. And maybe it's just because we're watching him a little more intently. But I remember watching a lot of Western Conference finals and finals games of his. And I think just night in, night out, you know exactly what you're getting from Steph. Well, and I think part of the reason why he's getting so much love is because of how ferociously the Kings are guarding him. Like, Fox is... Fox has really taken on the challenge of guarding him, and Davion will just guard anybody. Um, yeah. And to switch – to have Davion on you all night and then to have um, Fox come on you or to have Malik switch on you, like that is not an easy trio of guards to go up against and to be giving them 30 uh, each night is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not necess- it really hasn't necessarily been on Dre- on uh, on Davion. Davion has done an outstanding job on Steph. It's, he's been absolutely magnificent. Um, I think the the guy, honestly, who I felt was killing the Kings, he didn't really kill the Kings um, in Game Three per se. Um, in Game uh, Four as well, uh, he. Clay was who I kept coming back to. Um, I felt like every single time the Kings 
like focused a little too heavily on Steph. They just gave like I don't I was watching and it's a stupid thing to say. It's a stupid thing to say, but through the first couple games, and I think it was because Steph was very like quietly putting up numbers. I don't know why, but like Clay's buckets felt a little more loud to me. I think it was maybe mainly because there were a couple instances where Clay was getting like a couple dribble drives and then pulling up from mid range and doing some fadeaways that way. But Clay was the guy who I was watching going, we can't stop him right now, mm-hmm. like through at least three of the four games. Um, and like Steph, I think it was more obvious from the standpoint of, I mean, it's, it's Steph and he's going to just run around all over the place and, and get threes just, just because he's going to run off so many screens. But I feel like Clay a couple times, it wasn't necessarily the fact that the Warriors had run a play designed for him. It was Clay just got to his spot, and it didn't matter who was on him. He just made it one or two really good, really decisive dribble moves and then pulled up over whoever was guarding him and just nailed it. Um, I feel like we got to find a way to limit Clay. And then Ugh. Andrew Wiggins. Um, yep was also killing us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Steph is going to score. Steph is going to score just because he's going to run around so much and eventually we're going to lose him on the screen. And, it, like, it's just going to happen. We can live with that as long as we're limiting Clay and Andrew Wiggins. And that's, I think, why I was so focused on Clay the first two games. And I think that's why it stuck out so much to me because – it just felt like he was giving buckets to whoever was guarding him. And it was more like it wasn't necessarily in the, the same loud manner that Steph was getting his. It was more subtle, but it just felt more deadly to me. <laughs> no, I totally I, I totally get that. I think I'm thoroughly impressed with how Andrew Wiggins has played in this series after being off for a couple months, yeah. not playing basketball. And he just came in and picked up right where he left off. It really goes to show why this team won the championship last year. Uh, they are so deep with their top three options. And then when you have pool that can come in and he gives you 22 off the bench and he's really had an awful series so far. I think he's kind of been found out a little bit. <laughs> it is fair to say um, for a lot of people, but the amount of scoring that they can just put in. And it always seems like, oh, somehow Clay is open and now he has the ball and it's going to go in. Like, it's just, it's that simple. Like, just somehow they find their find a way open. Yeah. Um, and you know it's going in. So who, final questions. Who's got the edge so far? Probably pretty obvious one. And who, what are our final predictions for this series? <clears throat> Well, I actually would have said the Kings have a slight edge just because they had the home court the rest of the way. Um, yep. But given the fact that Fox is going to have a broken wing, um, mm. I, uh, I I got to get the lean to the Warriors. I really do. And I, and look, the, I mean, the series hasn't even started yet, let's be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was going to start in game four, but... Yeah, I really did too, but um, it has not, so... Again, if Fox didn't have his messed up finger, then I would say the Kings only because of home court. And I would say it was 51-49. Like, that's how much of a lead. It'd be very small. Um, 
because we haven't lost at home so far. Yeah. Um, that feels like ages ago. It does feel like ages ago. It does feel like the series is completely different now. But, well, and that's because it is. But um, in terms of final predictions. Do you think, let's, we don't have to be that because I'm pretty sure if it was going to go to a game seven, we're probably going to record before then. So what? you think they're going to win game five? Um, I don't know. I think they have to win game five. Um, and you know, I'm gonna, I don't want to jinx them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really, I really don't want to jinx them. So I'm afraid to say otherwise, but what I, what I will say is, like I said, they have to, like they can't afford, they cannot afford to lose this game. Cause I, I would have zero faith, mm. uh, of them going in there in game six and trying to hold off the Warriors closing the series. And that has more to do with the Warriors than it has to do with the Kings. Um, Because do I think the Kings are good enough to go in and do that if it happened? Yes, absolutely. But I also think the Warriors um, would see the finish line and go, yeah, you're, you're not going to beat us. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think it would just take one big, right. I'll give that chase, the chase center a lot of credit because those fans really came to play in game four, Um, game three, they really didn't that that game could have been played in a uh in an empty gym and it went to matter i mean that game was so out of hand um but if the kings were to win in game five i still wouldn't say that they're going to finish it off at chase center i think they would need that game seven i think at home yeah i couldn't even imagine what game seven would be like here so I'll, I'll let you know my mom does have tickets to game seven. Oh, all right well if it ends up happening <laughs> i i was like wow that's that's risky and she also has tickets to the next round and i'm like oh that's really risky that's really risky <laughs> <laughs> um I, ending note for me and then you can say whatever you want about the Kings, I think we can move on to the other series because there's a lot of good basketball being played and a lot of interesting storylines, especially with injuries um, in this first round to big-time players. But I was thinking about it because I think early to the, at the start of this series, I think I did kind of have that expectation of, oh, I want to see the Kings win. But now I'm sort of leaning towards, you know what, they already accomplished what they needed to do. Everyone had the expectation that the Warriors were just going to walk through the Kings and the Kings were that team that you wanted to face playoffs. But if the Warriors were to win this series, let's say in six or seven, they are, I think they are in a tough spot to play either the Lakers or Memphis. You know, because I thought you were done. Go ahead. No. So, if they were to get through the Kings, I think they would then be sitting there like, wow, we just went through a huge fight in the first round, like a Western conference finals equivalent fight. And it was just the first round. And I think that would set them up extremely poorly for the next round. You know, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about that today and um, I absolutely want to see the Kings win and dear God, I hope they do. Um, But you're right. I think they accomplished uh, something very good for themselves is Mm -hmm. uh, from the standpoint of they've garnered some respect um, from like, I was listening to, to 
uh, sports show on uh, – I went back and was listening to the shows on Monday uh, today, and there was a conversation being had on whether or not De'Aaron Fox was the best guard in the league. Yep. And I was like, huh. <laughs> well, this was this is nice to hear. I heard that somebody who was on that – like the NBA voting ballot voted for him for first team all NBA. I was like, oh. That's crazy. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> I think depending if you if you consider Luka a guard or not, um, I've heard people consider uh, Darren right below Damon Steph. Yeah. In terms of point guards, and that's sort of the respect that he's given. I know Cowherd has been saying that this team. I mean, he's gone out and said in the next four years, this team is going to win a championship. He said that this team kind of has that feel. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily. I mean, if they keep everybody together, right? Like they're they're way ahead of schedule. Like this. Oh, was not that is ex- um, great point. Yeah, yep. they're they're way ahead of schedule. This was not supposed to be what the Kings were going to look like this year. So the fact that they're here, if they can keep everybody together, mm-hmm. then I don't think it's unrealistic to say, you know what, they might have a shot. <laughs> like yeah, to give give credence to that, right? So ages: Keegan Murray, twenty two. Malik Monk, 25. De'Aaron Fox, 25. Davion Mitchell, 24. Harrison Barnes might not be here, but hopefully he will. Uh, Sabonis is 26. Yeah. Shabezi Metsu, uh, what did I say, Herder's 24. Like, there is all these pieces that are in their mid-20s that if you were able to keep them and lock them up, it would be a great core for this team. Right, and None of those guys outside of Fox and Sabonis are going to command gigantic contracts. Well, Fox has already been paid. Right. Fox has already been paid. So that is that as well. And we'll pay Sabonis. Um, Got to. So, I mean, again, none of those guys are going to go and get, you know, $150 million contracts. So with the, with the foundation that they've built – they all seem to really like playing with each other. I mean, I from everything that we've seen uh, just based off of, you know, in-game performance and, you know, the social media stuff, behind the scenes, micro everything, they all seem to really enjoy being around each other, um, which is a, a, a good sign. Um, so you'd hope that what they've built um, is something that will at least last for four or five years um, and hopefully longer than that. Um, so it's not unrealistic to – to uh, <laughs> to say that you know they might be able to uh, to pull this thing off. I mean, the Warriors are getting are, they're getting a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, is it is it unreal? Like, let's if we're looking like, and this will be a way to transition us into the rest of the playoffs. Like, if we're looking at the way that the Kings have played during this during this series against the Warriors, we're looking at all of the other Western Conference teams right now who are in the playoffs, like realistically outside of the Suns, mm-hmm. I feel like they could have beaten anybody <laughs> in a, in, um, in a series, maybe the Nuggets, but like, that's a main. Oh, are you back? Oh, oh I think, I'm sorry. No, you keep going. It just cut out for me, but you keep going. I, yeah, my bad. I yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a uh, connection error there for everybody. Um, I what I was saying was I just 
if we're the Kings got matched up with the Warriors, which was one of the hardest draws in the Western Conference. I mean, if we're looking at the Western Conference playoffs as a whole right now, outside of the Suns, I mean, I really could, I really think they could have beaten any team in a seven-game series. Um, the Nuggets would have given them fits, um, but I mean, they've set themselves up to be very, very, very dangerous going forward. Yeah, and you think about for years to come, it sort of feels like potentially the last ride for Golden State. There's already rumblings that Draymond might not be with them next year. Clay and Steph are only getting older. Um, all those things, right? The Lakers. LeBron is definitely still great, of course. Still a, probably a top five player in this playoffs but is only getting older. Anthony Davis, can you really depend on his health? Don't really know with all the other pieces on that team, who's going to be there next year, who's not. Um, And they're probably playing the best out of any team in the West right now. Memphis, that is just, (laughs) you don't really want to be a part of that franchise right now. It's just going south. You have so many things coming out that the players are running everything. Guys are running their mouths a little bit too much and creating poster board material for everyone else. It's just not. And that team is, is going down, right? They're not making it as far as they did last season. And that's not really what you want to see when, as guys are getting older. Um, So I think the Kings are in a great spot to continue to build off of what they did this year and continue really this playoff success. I think this is, such a successful year for them yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i'm looking at um uh i just went and and looked up like nba free agents who's going to be on the market next Mm -hmm. um because obviously harrison barnes is going to be one of them um Mm -hmm. and i was looking at you know who would be because if there's if there was one place that we were going to patch a hole in the lineup, not saying that Harrison Barnes has been a liability because he has not been, uh-uh. not at all. But if we're looking at places where maybe we could uh, go get somebody, mm-hmm. um, that would be the spot. And I'm just I'm trying to I'm looking to see if there's anybody anybody who we could snag in this upcoming off season who who would be worth it. And I'm not a hundred percent sure that there's anybody who is really like really catching my eye. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the off season because I mean, they're going to, the only, the person who I think maybe could fit that role is PJ Washington from the Hornets. Mm. Um, He's a King killer. Yeah, so he he averaged 15 points, uh, five rebounds, and two assists, and he was 44% from the field. Um, if they could get P.J. Washington, he's 24 in the offseason. He's not going to command gigantic amounts of money. I think that would be really, really um, interesting for the Kings. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Um, all right. Any Any last thoughts before we – do a little uh, outside of the Kings. No, let's let's talk about outside of the Kings. All right. Um, 
I've only got about 15-ish minutes left. The one series that I absolutely want to start with is not the Lakers because F the Lakers. Um, <laughs> it's actually the Miami Heat and the Bucks. Oh, because yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Butler. I mean, we're talking about De'Aaron Fox, and the national media is talking about De'Aaron Fox as being that dude, but. Jimmy Butler was that dude before that dude was born. I mean, holy smokes, 56 points, nine rebounds, two assists, and the Miami Heat take a 3-1 lead over Milwaukee. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, if you're a Milwaukee fan, are you not shitting your pants right now? Uh-oh. <laughs> they, they should be in the finals this year. I mean, that's what everybody was thinking. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and Miami is just – well, Miami's always been pr- a pretty tough matchup for Milwaukee. They they beat them the year in the bubble, and then they, they had a – I thought they had a tight series, what, last year? They did, yeah, I believe. And then, obviously, this year. And, yeah, of course, when the best player on the planet – is injured and misses two games, of course you're going to be down. And that it's just – it sucks, really. It really sucks for the NBA that Giannis was injured and probably going to be bounced for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be – it's going to be really hard for the – I think Milwaukee's going to win game uh, game five because mm-hmm. um, obviously that's going to go back to Milwaukee. But going – So going how to- early in the game do you think they're going to double-team Jimmy Butler? we're gonna be like all right you know what brooke lopez Giannis, you guys are both gonna go (laughs) yeah maybe even throw a third guy (laughs) well because i mean to like bam on a bio he had 15 gabe vincent had 10 and kayla martin had 12 everybody else was under 10 points for the heat everybody else like it was just jimmy butler (laughs) and he was he was that good the first quarter nine of ten Oh, you know what? I turned the game on in the first quarter, and it was Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy. Like, he – every possession just came down, took a shot, went in. Didn't even think about it. It looked effortless. Like, it didn't yeah. look like he was trying. And, you know, I I do think that Milwaukee, if they're not the best team, defensive team in the NBA, they're one of. Um, the Lakers are certainly up there, and there's a couple teams that are still left Boston, still a good defensive team. But the personnel that Milwaukee has – like the individual defenders, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Drew Holiday, even Chris Middleton's no slash on defense. Jimmy Butler gave it to every single one of them. Yeah. They each took a turn. And he was he even took Brooke Lopez down to the post and was doing post moves on him. Yeah. It was it was a magical performance from Jimmy Butler. And the fact that they are up three one, yeah, the injury obviously plays a huge part of it. Um but, golly. <laughs> this is without Tyler Hero. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think um, – no, Duncan Robinson did play. Yeah, he did play. He's actually been playing better. He has the best um, three-point percentage in the playoffs right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't even know what the story was behind why he didn't – he wasn't playing. Um, but either way – if the Miami Heat win this series, um, gosh, who would they go on to face? Um, actually, uh, the Knicks and Cleveland series. Mm, so you... the, the Knicks, right? 
Yeah, right now. Can you imagine? Well, that was where I was actually going to go next. Um, can you imagine a Knicks Heat series? That would be fun. Yeah, pretty pretty great teams. I'd honestly take the who. I think I'd take the Knicks in that series. I think I would too. And I think they just have more fire because Jalen Brunson is – he's not matching Jimmy Butler, but he's certainly playing at a superstar level. Yeah, good God, did they get a bargain. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. And then Julius Randle hasn't even really played up to potential. No. <laughs> um, so I think they just have a little more that they can bring to that series than Miami does. Um, I feel bad because I wish Cleveland played a little better. Yeah, uh, Donovan Mitchell only had 11 points in um, in Game 4. That was very surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Dar- Darius Garland's been like their number one option this yeah. series. I mean, I, I expected this series to be kind of a slugfest, um, mm-hmm. which, which it definitely has been. I mean, no team has gone over 110. Um, and in Game 3, nobody went over 100. <laughs> Um, That's crazy. That's crazy in 2023. Well, I'll give you another one. So every single game, every single game that they played, at least one of the teams stayed in double digits. The Warriors and Kings could never. (laughs) I know. know. Like the Cavaliers literally put up 79 points in game three. 79. Wow. What did the Kings put up in game three? What was it, like 97? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. And that was their off game. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But so I all expected this series to be a bit of a slugfest, which it absolutely has been. I'm a little surprised that the Knicks are up 3-1. Um, at least going into the series, I was a little bit – I thought Cleveland was the better team. But watching them watching them play, I mean, <laughs> I think I'm probably wrong. I mean, with the way that Brunson has been playing, Josh Hart even has been playing really well, Mitchell mm-hmm. Robinson kind of a just a wall in the middle. Um, you're right. Julius Randle hasn't even come to really play. And R.J. Barrett's played fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Obi Toppings, no slouch coming off the bench as well. Like, they've got they've got some really good players, and they're a great defensive team well. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and, both of those teams are. No, they absolutely are. And if, if we get a Miami Heat, Knicks um, – series in the second round that it will be very interesting to see the Knicks defense go up against Jimmy Butler because right now the Bucks don't have an answer <laughs> yeah and if they don't have an answer then who does um, we might be living in a world where the Knicks make the, the Eastern Conference Finals oh dude the national media will go crazy if that happens because I think they match up really well against Miami, I do. as we as we just talked about. I do. Um, I think I'd be curious, truthfully. And then they would play the winner of Philly and Boston. Who would they want to see? Not Boston. Honestly, I think I think <laughs> I think it's more of a they just wouldn't want to see. Yeah, Boston. I wouldn't want to play. I think Philly is definitely, and I I picked Philly to come out of the East, but after that game one, James Harden scoring hasn't been crazy. Um, Embiid's been dealing with an injury bug, and yeah, Tyrese Maxey's been playing well. Tobias Harris is 
all right. I mean, he just doesn't it, – it's so weird. It's like as soon as the playoffs hit, his shots just won't go in. Yeah, he did have uh, one or two. He did have one really good game um, during that uh, during that series. Um, was that a sweep? It was a four zero sweep. Was it? It was a sweep. Yes. Oh, so Sam was right. Yeah. Yep. Can't believe you guys. And I'll give I'll give him credit. Mikael Bridges played out of his mind. Yes. He played really well. But yeah, that was not that was never never in doubt. Hey, look, the game uh, game two was uh, less than a 10-point game. Game three was five-point <laughs> game. And game four was less than a 10-point game as well. So it's not like they were blowouts. Less than a 10-point game. What does that mean, a nine-point game? It was eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait, hang on. No, I'm sorry. The game two was 12 points. My bad. Oh, oops. <laughs> was Whoopsie. Game four was the eight-point game. Um, um, outside of Golden State, sack because that's the only right answer what has been the best series so far um probably (laughs) um oh gosh that's interesting um from a storyline standpoint or the games uh either any criteria because probably from a storyline standpoint, the Lakers Grizzlies one just yep. because of the drama that's been going on with all of that. Um, from an actual game standpoint, probably the Cleveland and the Knicks one. Um, but I don't know. Well, the Milwaukee Miami. It, I guess it depends on what you classify as interesting. Because you know. Giannis was out for game two and game th- those games weren't necessarily, I don't know. Um, from a pure drama standpoint, probably Memphis and the Lakers. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Is, are the Nuggets even in the playoffs? <laughs> it doesn't feel like anybody's talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no one is talking about that series. So they blew out the Timberwolves in game one. They beat them by nine in game two. And then they beat up by nine again in game three. And then they had that thrilling overtime where the Timberwolves beat the Nuggets after Anthony Edwards said, hey, it's not over yet. Um, it's over, Anthony. And, uh, I mean, he, he was right. It wasn't over then, but it'll probably be over very soon. Um, yeah, I mean, the Nuggets, I think everybody just expected them to get past the Timberwolves, right? So it wasn't, it, you know, the fact that they're up 3-1 isn't necessarily newsworthy per se. I just feel like they haven't been put in the main time slot at all. No. No. Um, which is kind of weird. And they've been playing at, like, weird I, – I just don't know. I just, like, never know when they're playing um, and really don't don't care about the outcome. Well, I'll tell you what. They play tonight at 9 Eastern, and they're playing on NBA TV. Whoa! No way. So That's play. crazy. So there you go. Who? What? Else, what's the other game tonight? Um, let me see. Uh, I had it. I had the a graphic up for um like the whole entire playoff. So right now the games tonight, uh, the Hawks and the Celtics are on actually right now. Oh, oops. And then the Nuggets and the Timberwolves play, and then the Clippers Suns. Aren't... So that the Clippers Suns series could have been really interesting. If Kawhi didn't have a boo boo, yeah, I'll tell you what though, the games tomorrow are absolute flamethrowers. You open up the you open up the day with Knicks Cavaliers, so that'll yep. 
Lakers Grizzlies always fun. Then mm-hmm. the Heat and the Bucks, and then you close out the night with the Warriors and the Kings. That is a great day. <laughs> There's four games tomorrow. Yeah, that is a great day. <laughs> On a when th- they're gonna have games being played during while kids are at school. Uh, at four o'clock, yeah, you're gonna get home right from uh, basketball practice, and then boom, right on Knicks Cavaliers. Wow. Yeah, but like but... those games, all having those four games on one day. <laughs> I mean, somebody was prioritizing ratings that day. Yeah, on a Wednesday night. My goodness. <laughs> uh, did you see the metric that came out? Um, what was it? It was on Bleacher Report. Um, the Warriors Kings had ten point four million viewers for Game Four. How is that in compare? I wonder how that is in comparison to the other series. I, I thought I don't want to miss. I'm trying to find the notification. Um, I thought it was like the the most out of any game in the first round. Oh uh, yeah, most watched first round playoff game in 21 years. Whoo. Well, it's the only series right now that's tied. Yep. So, you know, from that perspective, it's it's been the most even. And it probably has been the most, compel- like, thrilling um, just from, like, a competitive standpoint. Because um, it wasn't game one a one-point game. Yep. Yeah. It certainly was. Yeah, and then game four was uh, a one-point game as well. So, I mean, it's come right down to the – even – I mean, I know the Kings won by, like, eight in game two. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, that game was close to the very end as well. It was only game three that wasn't really that entertaining. But Yeah, come on, Warriors. Keep it close. I know. Seriously. Um, last thing. Aaron Rodgers has finally been traded. Yeah, I know. It's that time. We're going to have to start talking about the NFL here soon. Yeah, Rodgers is now a Jet. Um I know Jets fans are through the roof. They should be. They absolutely should be. I would also uh, take a look around in that division as well. Um, that uh, That's going to be a tough division to win. I think the Jets are going to win that division. I think they can win that division. All I'm saying is that it's going to be tough. Buffalo is not going to be uh, <laughs> a pushover by any means. Nope. Uh, Miami has a great team. They've built an outstanding team. It's obviously going to hinge on uh, Tua's play. If he plays how he was when he was healthy last year, they're going to be really tough to beat. Um, and, you know, the page, who knows about the Patriots? I mean, they're always tough. Who knows? Yeah, they're, they're trash. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with you because I hate the Patriots, but, I mean. Um, well, reports are coming out that they don't even like Mac Jones anymore. Well, <laughs> did they ever like Mac Jones? <laughs> They drafted him. <laughs> <laughs> they must have liked him at one point. All right. Well, yeah. So um, by the the next time we do uh, an episode, which hopefully is going to be next week, because uh, mm-hmm. obviously the, the King series will be will most likely be done by that point, um, because the Kings will have wrapped it up and you know be moving on to the second round. Um, yeah, they're going to beat him so badly in game five. The Warriors are just going to forfeit the series. Wow, we can't. There's no way. We're not even going to try to compete with that again. Darren Fox just broke Will Chamberlain's scoring record. In one game. With, with 120 points. We're, what are we supposed to do? Exactly. Exactly. With his right hand. 
Be like, if I only give him the NBA title, where, be like, where, where is the Lombardi Trophy? Give him that. <laughs> give him the Stanley Cup. <laughs> give him that as well. Um, but yes, uh, the NFL draft is uh, coming up. It's going to be Thursday as of this recording of the ep- of uh, the show. So who's going number one? It, it, from what I'm hearing, it's not even a question anymore. It's going to be Bryce Young. Like yep. that's. I agree. Yeah, that's everything that I've been hearing. Number two is a little interesting. Yeah, that's what everybody keeps saying. Whether or not, why would Houston not take a quarterback? I why mean, would they not, not take CJ Stroud? Yeah, I why mean, would if they you're not? not? If you're not sold on a guy, I get it. But they, good God, they need a quarterback more than like any other team, arguably more than any other team. I, I, I mean, I again, if you're not sold on a guy, then I get it. Take the best player available, but. Wow, it'll be really interesting to see what they do. More than anything, if they're not sold on a quarterback, it'll be interesting to see who is and who either trades up for that. Um, Indy. I, I, well, here's the thing. If Houston doesn't take a quarterback, then Indy might not have to move. Well, if they go up to two, then they get whoever they want. They don't have to rely on True, someone. but Arizona's three. They're not taking a quarterback. But someone could trade up to three. Yeah. But yeah, if you're Arizona, so... I guess it depends on who you're eyeing if you're Arizona because you could just make sure you get the best defensive player at three. Mm-hmm. Or if you were eyeballing somebody. That's yeah, interesting. I mean, the draft starts at two is everything that I'm hearing. So, Yeah, which is so awesome. I'm so glad. There were so many – this the projections for this draft, it's gone from like, yeah, it's Bryce Young for sure, and then – Oh, no, no, no. It's C.J. Stroud, for sure. Oh, Houston's not even sold on Bryce Young. He might slide. No, 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 no. Carolina likes Bryce Young. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, they're not. They don't like C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson might be number two. Will Anderson might be number – or um, Anthony Richardson might be number one. Like, who knows? Yeah. And I think but, that's that's what makes it – that's what makes the draft fun when it's totally uncertain. So, And I think it's, it's very interesting that there's going to be – well, there's going to be a QB that slides, for sure. But there's a lot of talented non-QB players out there. A lot of defensive ends in D tackles. Yes. Yeah. Well, next uh, next episode that we do, uh, we will make sure that we uh, dive a little bit into the draft, and then we'll talk maybe a little bit more about the implications of the Aaron Rodgers trade as the dust settles on that. Um, but in the time being, everybody who has listened to the episode, we really do appreciate it, as always. Um, enjoy the rest of the uh, first round of the NBA playoffs, and make sure to, uh, to light the beam if you're somewhere that has one. So... We will see you all next week. Have a wonderful next couple days. And, uh, yeah, toodles. Go Kings. Go Kings.